Hello and welcome to the next episode of Have Aloha Will Travel podcast uh, with Hawaii Magazine. This is our 85th episode, Grace. 85. Yes, it's a big one. Well, I guess so. I mean, it's not. <laughs> no, I was going to say, what is, I mean, is there like, is it the, you know, like it's not diamond, it's not, pla- is it the coral? Could we it's pretend the coral episode. the endangered uh, species episode? <laughs> episode. There you go. Yeah, right. So anyway, um, the reason we're talking about coral actually is because we do have a very special guest today with us um, all the way from actually both of you are from Maui. I don't know why I'm saying I feel outnumbered here. I'm the only one from Oahu. Uh, We have Tapani Vauri. Did I say it correctly in Finnish? That's uh, that's very good. I am trying to speak Finnish here. General manager at the Maui Ocean Center. Actually, you've been there for a while because the Maui Ocean Center opened in 1988 and you started in what, 2002? That is correct. So I'm one of the fixtures by now. So. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're 85th, uh, you're the 85th person there. Uh, that was probably well before either one of you was born. So oh. this is how long I've been here. We love you already. You can come back anytime. <laughs> so funny. Well, we're here to talk with you about the Maui, the Maui Ocean Center, um, especially because, you know, June 8th is is a World Ocean Day, which this right. makes a lot of sense to have you on our episode. And we'd love to talk with you about all the things happening at the Maui Ocean Center and and um, just give our listeners a little bit of background on what you folks do there, how important it is, um, the work that is being done there. And to put in perspective, I think, you know, just the research, the, I mean, you guys have the largest collection of live Pacific corals there. You guys do work with, um, you know, with the, uh, with the Honu. So just putting, putting into perspective, you know, what, how, how Hawaii is so special and so fragile our ecosystem and yeah. the things that we can do um, to sort of help. So I know it's a tall order I just gave you, but anyway, let's just talk about the Maui Ocean Center um, and what you guys do. Okay, how much time do you have? Let's just get No, 30 minutes. We're on Zoom, man. We got <laughs> time limits. Um, just briefly, kind of an overview. Uh, we are part of a larger uh, organization called Coral World International. Actually, very appropriate name. Uh, based out of Tel Aviv, out of Israel, we have sister aquariums, one in Perth, Australia, Eilat, Israel, and Palma de Mallorca in Spain, which we opened in 2007. I was actually part of the opening team there. Um, what really makes Maui Ocean Center quite unique is, um, um, first of all, we have an open uh, water flow system. Uh, not too many aquariums, public aquariums have a uh, open water flow. What that means, we pump 1.2 million gallons of seawater in through the system every day. Uh, we filter it um, a couple different ways. We have high pressure sand filters that remove all the biosolids. Uh, then we have a biological filter that we call a gravity filter that actually has a bacteria called nitrosomonas that converts NH4, which is ammonia, to NO2 nitrite and NO3 nitrate. That becomes nitrogen gas that's generally referred as a denitrification process. Then we have protein skimmers. So next time you ladies go to beets, you see the foam on the beets and, you know, mm-hmm. break, it's uh, breaking down. That is actually protein. And that's actually a very good kind of protein. Uh, we have to remove it from our system because we are operating under NIPTES permit, which is based on the Clean Water Act of 1972. And here in the state of Hawaii, we have Department of Health that regulates the clean water issues. Um, 
Then we have ozone generators, and we release the clean water into the Malaya Harbor. I don't know if you 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 looked at the Malaya Harbor area and the Malaya Bay area. Uh, it's quite unique, actually, uh, the entire watershed area. And I'll, I'll get back to that a little bit later. Uh, when I became the general manager back in uh, 2000, I believe 15, yes, 2015, um, uh, Actually, I remember it very vividly, 9-11-2015, ocean water temperature was 85 degrees of Fahrenheit. Hawaii, you may remember this, Hawaii lost 40% of our corals to coral bleaching. Yes. And you remember this, right? And um, what happened, some species did come back, uh, most of it did not come back. Uh, to me, this was really a kind of a watershed moment and wake up call for me that, hey, uh, we are so dependent on the ocean uh, water quality. We need to make sure that all the animals and all, you know, including the coral, by the way, 95% of the people or more, they think uh, when they come to Maui Ocean Center, they think coral is a rock. So I want to make this point very, very clear with the audience that coral is a beautiful animal and it also has a super important cultural uh, connection with the Hawaiian you know, culture and our sense of place, because uh, any of those listeners or viewers, you know, if you have read Kumulipo, which is the Hawaiian uh, or, uh, creation of origin story, corals are everywhere. They come up early in the storyline and they're everywhere and they're the family. They are part of our family. So, and I'll get back to this a little bit later. Um, so at that time, um, I realized that the water quality was number one issue for us. So I actually hired an environmental team. Uh, we have uh, environmental director of regulatory policy affairs, uh, Robin Knox, who is pretty well known uh, nationally as a water quality expert. Uh, and then Aviat Kahana, who is our technical uh, director. He's actually a chemical engineer by training. He used to work for British Petroleum when Deepwater mm -hmm. Horizon happened. He was their environmental mitigation officer. We've actually optimized our water flow system inside our park and um, cleaned everything up and uh, ensured that the water that we are releasing into the Malaya Harbor, we have now proven with the data that we are actually cleaning the Malaya Harbor uh, water quality. Wow. Uh, we actually modeled what would happen if we stopped discharging clean water into the harbor. Ammonia levels would rise to 37 micrograms per liter at the boat ramp, which is at the far end of the harbor. Uh, that would actually elicit a fish scale, uh, you know, tropical fin fish uh, level of ammonia, uh, level of toxicity is 30 mil, uh, micrograms. Uh, harbor would become anoxic and it would most likely start stinking. So local community here in Maui would not be very happy about that. Let's talk a little bit about the marine life. Um, all the marine life under our care, this also includes corals, by the way. Uh, as you notice, I say under our care because it doesn't belong to us. We do not own it. Mm -hmm. uh, we never will sell or buy animals. Uh, over 24 years now, we have, um, we have collected uh, marine life uh, around the Maui waters uh, under a monthly permit that we have to apply every month uh, with the state of Hawaii. Uh, we don't do too much collections anymore because we have a lot of reproduction happening uh, inside the aquarium itself. Uh, our cultural director who was here at the beginning was Uncle Charlie. You may have heard that name before. He was a preeminent cultural authority here in Maui. 
His grandson, Kahudane Maxwell, is our cultural advisor right now. That's cool. And um, I told uh, Kahudane uh, that was a couple of years back when when he brought her young uh, daughters, uh, two daughters, with with him to the park. Uh, I said, one day your daughters will be our cultural directors. And uh, so we have to have the long view. You know, it's not. Uh, I want I want to get people out of the transactional view as people are thinking about uh, uh, different things. So, <clears throat> you know, this is the only way we can really create a more sustainable mindset uh, in everything we do. Um, Kaudane Maxwell, he actually chants or olis. Uh, I don't. He doesn't like to use the word bless, so he prefers to use the oli. Uh, especially larger animals when they come under our care here when we collect them. And usually within two years, a good portion of the larger animals, we return back into the same spot where we collected them. And again, Kauden Maxwell is oling or chanting, uh, you know, basically welcoming them back, back to the ocean again. So this makes us quite unique in that sense. Um, you know, and frankly speaking, I was struggling ethically for some time, actually, uh, you know, well, how do we justify us being here? There are a lot of, well, not a lot, but there are people who think zoos and um, uh, public aquariums are animal prisons. Uh, so how do I really square that uh, argument and uh, how can I justify us being here. Um, we do a lot of public education. That is actually part of our operating permit, um, making sure that all the young children, they have access to understanding about the marine life and uh, and so much more now that we have totally kind of pivoted uh, our purpose here. And I'll tell you more about that. Uh, so I think it was back in 2018, uh, I told our curator at that time, John, uh, John Gorman, uh, many, many people in our community know him. Uh, we need to do better. So I told John, uh, John, uh, let's make a public commitment that by the end of 2020, 20% of the marine life under our care comes from a sustainable supply chain. Um, imagine what that means. Basically, uh, uh, a couple of years prior to that, uh, there is a scientist named Dr. Chatham Callum at Oceanic Institute in Waimanalo, Oahu. He was the first scientist in the world to actually aquaculture yellow tang in captivity. And yellow tang is a keystone species in uh, public aquarium and, uh, and uh, aquarium hobbies trading. Mm -hmm. And both of you ladies remember the newspaper articles. There was a lot of negative uh, stuff happening with the yellow tang on the big island when there were some collectors and they had actually discarded a school of yellow tang on the concrete uh, pier at the harbor there. Wow. Uh, that was super sad to see that and very unfortunate. There needs to be regulation. So we are not, we are not uh, wasting natural resources. Um, so we actually have supported the Oceanic Institute and uh, we have aquacultured yellow tang under our care here. Uh, we are now providing uh, fish eggs to Oceanic Institute and University of Hawaii Hilo. By the way, if any listener is interested in a marine science program, please reach out to University of Hawaii Hilo. They have amazing program there. I would say probably one of the top programs in the nation and you get to work with tropical or marine life. Uh, it's super exciting. 
So both of these organizations are now aquaculturing uh, marine life animals out of the fish eggs that we are providing for them. Well, what does this mean? Imagine what will happen as a result in the nature. Well, we already know what will happen. Uh, we have seen or we have the data to show what is what has happened in Papahana Mokuakea, which is the Northwestern Hawaiian archipelago. Uh, here on Maui, we have Ahikinao, which is in South Maui. It's actually MPA, Marine Protected Area. And we have data to show that marine life has come back bountiful, well beyond the boundaries of those marine protected areas. So as soon as we remove us from the equation, uh, the environment uh, bounces back and the marine life comes back. Going back to the sustainable supply chain, so imagine if all the public aquariums worldwide would do a similar commitment, not 20, but 40 or 60 or 80 percent, what would happen globally? Most of the aquarium trade for public aquariums, they actually rely on uh, on dealers who actually collect animals around the world, and then they have a dealer network that they sell these animals and buy. Um, and of course, there is a cray aspect to the marketplace as well, uh, which we experience here in Hawaii as well. Um, I'm very comfortable to say that uh, we would see wonderful things happening globally if this happened. There's another possibility or another opportunity for the state of Hawaii here as well. Um, Maui had the last uh, sugar mill here, which we closed when was it five years ago or something like that. So commercial agriculture has been pretty much being phased out. Uh, now we have more diversified agriculture. We have companies like Mahipono coming to Maui and they are really investing into diversified act, which is super amazing to see. Uh, we need to see this type of diversity on Maui, all the islands actually. Um, for the state of Hawaii, the opportunity would be to create a commercial aquaculture. Uh, so this will become the third leg of our economic uh, stall that the politicians like to talk about. We have tourism, we have military, and we could potentially develop commercial aquaculture. Imagine how powerful it would be if we had a stamp of approval or branding made in Hawaii, aquaculture, tropical finfish, that the state of Hawaii could actually certify and export globally. This would be actually very powerful economic incentive to actually focus on, on doing something like this. It would need to be land-based. Uh, Marine-based aquaculture has proven not work really that effectively. It has some other unintended consequences in terms of um, excessive nutrients, et cetera, that are harder to control. So this is kind of shows you a little bit about how we are thinking here at the Maui Ocean Center. I've been here since 2002, and I always felt that we operated from a place of fear in a way that um, that we were afraid to take, take any public stand or make any public comments about any issue that we felt passionate about or important that was important to us. So we actually turned that 180 degrees and uh, you see me talking uh, in the media quite a lot about these different issues. So although it's a lot more holistic, uh, we are really looking at the entire watershed um, and, and I can talk a little bit about that, but uh, you know, it's important that we talk about issues like sunscreen, for example. So if anybody here in the 
this podcast is on the mainland and you're thinking of coming to Hawaii on a vacation, uh, I would encourage, I would challenge you to take a look at your sunscreens that you have uh, in your medicine cabinet or wherever you hold them. Make sure you get rid of all the sunscreens that uh, are anything but mineral-based sunscreens, especially if you come to Maui, actually statewide. Uh, We are trying to see if we can get this statewide right now. Maui County has uh, done an ordinance last year, and that will become a law in October 1 in 2022. That is going to be illegal to import, distribute, sell, or use any sunscreens here on Maui that is anything but uh, mineral-based ones. You may ask, well, what is Tapani talking about? Why is this important? Why does it matter? It has several important reasons for it, actually. Uh, Number one, there is actually peer-reviewed scientific uh, data showing uh, that uh, chemical benzoic family, chemical active ingredients in sunscreens are actually super harmful for corals. They, they actually lower the uh, threshold or the stre- uh, coral's ability to resist the bleaching. So the corals actually will die off earlier uh, compared to if the water temperature rises. So the water temperature doesn't have to rise that high anymore. There are a couple other reasons that also impact it. Also, very importantly, it has been proven that uh, they mess up with the endocrine system of the corals. So their reproductive ability is actually terminated. And by the way, this has been proven the case also with humans. It, It is also messing with our endocrine system. That's why we need to be super careful what we put into onto the onto our bodies and into our bodies. Um, also, um, one last recommendation on the sunscreen. So, when people are using sunscreen, I would actually, for many many years, we we actually stopped selling sunscreen here at Maui Ocean Center retail store. We were not carrying anything. Uh, just in the last month, we picked a Mineral One uh, brand that uh, we felt confident and comfortable enough selling. Uh, but we've always recommended people to wear uh, protective sun gear, you know, large hats, uh, sun, uh, uh, sunglasses, uh, and maybe uh, long sleeve rash cards, et cetera. And um, however, if you are wearing sunscreen, make sure you go to swim first and then you actually put sunscreen on and make sure that uh, here in Maui, especially, we have showers right at the beach. Please do not shower yourself at the beach uh, after you have applied uh, sunscreen because most of that sunscreen will end up in the bay, even if it's mineral one. Uh, We do not want any of it there, period. Um, So enough of sunscreen. the other important part, uh, <clears throat> you know, what really has happened here is we have pivoted uh, our our vision and mission really where we really focus on adding value to our local community uh, in many ways, in everything we do. Um, there has to be respect and uh, sensitivity to our sense of place, our local host culture. Um, or the landscape, all the landscaping, for example, we have here now is all indigenous Hawaiian landscaping. All the signage we have in the park, it's becoming bilingual, all English and Olelo. 
which is the Hawaiian word for uh, Hawaiian language. Um, we are looking to do video content all in Olelo with English sub, uh, subtitles. Uh, so we are really elevating that uh, sense of place there. However, it is super important that whatever cultural activities we have here, it's not a white person like Tapani telling Hawaiians, well, this is your cultural activity. We want you to have it here. We've actually asked the living Hawaiian cultural authorities to actually join us and share their living culture. It has to be a living culture, uh, not a version of a 1950s or 30s, a romanticized version of Hawaiian culture, you know, what it should be. No, uh, we do not want to be part of that. Uh, it has to be authentic at all the times because that's, I believe that's how you show respect for the host culture. Um, let's see what else. Um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, we are very active in our community here. Uh, I'm a board member with the local community association. Uh, we are working on um, uh, hopefully converting a hillside land here in Malaya, 257 acres to a public trust land. So it will not be developed, uh, although we ran into trouble a couple of weeks ago, but uh, we are trying to see if we can work that out. Um, uh, imagine that it will be there for future generations, for your guys' kids and their kids uh, going forward, and we will restore the watershed. You know, we will actually bring it back to healthy uh, environment. If you were to walk that land right now, you would actually see very deep couches in the land. Uh, they're 20, 30 feet in depth. Uh, sedimentation is number one problem facing our nearshore marine ecosystems. This is actually probably globally even actually, I would say a very true statement here in Hawaii for sure. Uh, what is happening is next time it rains, and you have seen this happen before. We see a brown, brown belt around the island, uh, and we see it so clearly here in Malaya. And sadly, it looks to me like visually when I see that, it just seems to get larger and larger as the years go by. And um, so this really needs to stop because what is happening is this sedimentation is actually suffocating the coral. Uh, as of today, Malaya Bay, the bay you see behind me, is actually classified as 303D classification by EPA, which means impaired body of water. Let that sink in for a second. Can you imagine we have impaired body of water in paradise? Here we live in Maui. Uh, major causes for that is uh, excessive sedimentation, number one, and the second one is excessive nutrients. And I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, in 1995, there was an environmental uh, scientist did a study on coral reefs here in Malaya. At that time, uh, Malaya Bay had 75% of coral reef ecosystem coverage. In 2006, State of Hawaii, DLNR and DAR, Department of Aquatic Resources, they did a similar study statewide, actually publicly available if you want to check it out. Malaya Bay actually at that point came a little bit below 8% coral reef coverage. As of today, we are probably less than 5%. So this is happening under our watch. 
Uh, same story with Limo. Both of you ladies, I'm sure you know what Limo is. Uh, for those mainland uh, listeners, Limo is a Hawaiian word for seaweed. Uh, it has a super important part in Hawaiian culture, you know, culturally, medicinally, uh, food-wise. Uh, uh, Limo experts, uh, Anti Napua Barrows here in Maui and Uncle Wale Ito in Honolulu, uh, they, they are involved with an organization called Limo Hawaii which basically focuses on issues of all issues of limo. Uh, both of them have indicated that over hundred years ago, there used to be more than 125 different species of limo. As of today, maybe 12 or 15. And, um, you know, Malaya used to have beaches full of limo. If you go south from Malaya, if you go to Kihei, there's a road called uh, Lipoa Road. Lipoa is actually a name for limo. You know, that road terminates at the beach. There used to be a lot of lipoa there. There's hardly any lipoa left there anymore. So I'm sharing this because I want the listeners and the viewers to really understand that, uh, yes, we are in paradise, but at the same time, there's all these things that are happening under our watch. It's all of our watch. It's This is all of our Koleana responsibility to do something about it because you know, if we leave this, you know, I do not want to be the person when a young person comes to me and says, uncle, how come there's no more fish or no more coral in the ocean? I do not want to be that person. So this is why I'm doing everything in my power to talk about this issue uh, and publicize it. In 2019, Maui Ocean Center, we had almost half a million visitors. So this year we'll have a little bit less. So next year, I expect it to be more. Uh, it is our goal and my personal hope that we inspire every single visitor who comes to Maui Ocean Center or even to Maui, to that matter, that they're inspired enough. They learn about these things that are going on in community. By all means, we are not the only one who is doing all these things. There are a lot of great people on Maui, great organizations, especially nonprofits, who are working in this space to really focus on Malama Aina and Malamakai, Malama the land and the ocean. And hopefully people, whether you came from Des Moines, Iowa, New York, New York, or Chicago, Illinois, uh, when you go back home, you're inspired to look at your home community from a new filter and in a new lens that, hey, there's this river running through my town. How come I cannot swim there? You know, how can we make the lake uh, cleaner? Every summer we have these algebra blooms and algae problems. I mean, I would not be surprised we'll see these algae uh, news coming coming up more and more again this summer. We will, I'm positive. So what are those people in those communities doing about that? This is their kuleana, and hopefully we can all collaborate and work together and uh, be inspirational enough to kind of elevate uh, people's outlook and how they view uh, their communities. I think it's okay, that's almost half an hour. Oh, yeah, I think it's it's interesting that a lot of our listeners and visitors to Hawaii um, are not near an ocean, so there is a little bit of a disconnect with coral, for example. Um, and I know Hanama Bay has had this problem for decades, right? Is trying to get uh, visitors to understand that you know don't step on the coral, and the coral reef is a living thing. But, you know, how do you make that connection to someone who doesn't maybe live on the ocean or even people who grew up here, like, you know, like Grace and I, that the coral is part of, I mean, 
the degradation of the coral reef is something, I mean, it, is, is, it affects, you know, there's global effects to it. I think there is a disconnect, right? Like I understand if I throw litter on the ground that that's not a good thing, but how do you explain to someone that damaging coral or the bleaching of coral or the sunscreen that I'm wearing is destroying coral, like how that's supposed to, how that affects the, the globe in general. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I understand. And it's a very, very valid question. Look in the hierarchy of needs when we look at uh, what is important to people. Obviously, they have their own uh, priorities, but ultimately, uh, you know, we're all connected globally and we are seeing the negative impacts of when we are disengaged and everybody's just focused on doing what's good for them. And, um, you know, it's part of the systemic issue as well, <laughs> the way uh, capitalism works uh, to maximize the returns. Uh, and I understand that. And that's the system we are living in. And uh, But again, uh, as a community, I think we need to start having these conversations because uh, everybody is experiencing these uh, wild uh, gyrations of climate and they have, whether they have wildfires or uh, tsunamis or tornadoes uh, or extreme heat events that are happening right now and, uh, or cold events. I mean, it's all over the map. There is no, you know, precedent to what is happening as of today. And it just seems to accelerate. So hopefully that will open some minds and some eyes in terms of uh, willingness to really start thinking about, uh, well, maybe I need to start expanding my horizon a little bit more and start caring about these other issues as well, because they will eventually impact all of us if we don't. Is it possible for us to like reinvigorate coral? Like there have been studies that like after coral bleaching, uh, that there has been some like regrowth and like corals can come back. Um, are there any things being done with that? And also limu restoration. Uh, is it possible? Like what kind of, you know, restoration efforts are being made and will that make a big difference? Okay, let me start with the coral. So uh, when the owner of the company offered the GM position for me, I told him, thank you, I'm honored, but with one condition, that we get to start a 501c3, which is the designation for nonprofit. So in 2016, uh, we started Maui Ocean Center Marine Institute, three foundational pillars. Number one, uh, turtle rehab rescue uh, response facility on Maui here. Uh, we actually partner with the U.S. federal government, with NOAA. We are operating under their permit. Uh, last year, we rehabbed uh, almost 300 sea turtles. We are the only turtle, sea turtle rehab facility in the state of Hawaii as of today. Oh. U.S. federal government is airlifting injured sea turtles to us for our care. Once the sea turtles are rehabbed, uh, we airlift it back into the location where it came from or we release them on Maui, depending what the federal government guidance is on that. Uh, the other foundational pillar is a coral repository. So in Norway, they have the World Crane Seed Bank deep in the mountain there. If something catastrophic were to happen uh, in the world, so in Norway, they have the GNA or DNA or gene bank, basically, they can restore the uh, crane uh, seed stock and actually make sure that there is food available. Mm -hmm. uh, we work very closely with the state of Hawaii and we are part of their fail safe uh, operation 
where under our care, we have rare Hawaiian endemic corals. Uh, state of Hawaii has a state of Hawaii coral lab on Sand Island in Honolulu. Uh, they have identical set of rare Hawaiian endemic corals under their care as well. And we have also cross-trained our staff. So, so we have ability to fast crawl coral to answer your question. Normally coral, well, depending on the species, I would say, generally speaking, uh, it grows about one centimeter per year. We can fast crawl coral 10 centimeters a year. So by all uh, means, it's not very fast, but in the coral time, it's very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so to answer your question, yes, we can we can restore the coral reef in Malaya Bay if we chose to, but doesn't make any sense to do that right now until we fix the anthropomorphic, all the human induced uh, damage that we are co- going that is going on in terms of sedimentation and excessive nutrients that are impairing the entire bay, and this is happening statewide. And the third foundational pillar is education. Uh, uh, I used to be a public school teacher a long time ago back in the old country. So school kids are really close to my heart in terms of making sure all the kids have access to resources and we level the playing field, especially in the areas that may not have access to resources or are not as privileged. So it is important that we support our public school education system as much as we can. And uh, we have already actually done a lot of efforts on that and provided funding for that and we'll continue to increase it as we go. Um, so the nonprofit under the auspices of nonprofit especially, but also under Maui Ocean Center, which is for profit, we've actually done a lot of coral work, we restoration work already around all the islands. For example, when the state of Hawaii, uh, when they want to do harbor improvements in any of the state harbors, uh, before Army Corps of Engineers goes there and actually starts destroying the uh, the uh, the boat berths, uh, uh, many times we have been awarded the contract to go in there and actually remove all the rare Hawaiian endemic corals, take them away for safekeeping. And once the Army Corps of Engineers have completed all the construction, then we go back there and restore that uh, crowd site for those rare Hawaiian endemic corals. So. There's a lot of work happening like that already. Maui this year will actually be very visible. There's a lot of bigger organizations coming here and planning to do a lot of coral restoration work. But like I said, the foundation has to be done correctly. So we need to make sure we remove any impairments, you know, before we actually start uh, working on restoring the coral reefs. Well, thank you for sharing all this with us and with our listeners. Um, our time is winding down, but um, Pani, thank you so much for being part of our podcast. And, you know, I think, you know, as Maui Ocean Center is one of the top visitor attractions on Maui and a lot of our listeners have either been there or have plans to go there or have heard about it. It's good that they understand, you know, where, the, what's, what is the real, you know, message behind the exhibits and, and coming to yeah you know, see these awesome things that you can find in Hawaii, but understand, you know, what, just the stories behind it and why they're so important and why we care for them and, and what Maui Ocean Center does. Um, so thank you for sharing that with us. Um, you know, we're going to be putting some tips up for um, World Ocean Day, of course, June 8th coming up. And, 
you know, we'll link, we had a story run in one of our previous issues about Maui Ocean Center. Um, so we'll put that in our show okay. notes for the podcast as well. And then information about Maui Ocean Center, where can people get more information or where should they look for information about, about you guys? Yeah, on our website for sure. And mocmi.org website, I can send you those both. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. the nonprofit has a, actually both of our organizations, super robust social media. You get a lot of information there. There's a lot of research and studies now coming out from the nonprofit, especially. You know, to me, really trying to distill the messaging to uh, our friends uh, and visitors from the mainland. Uh, I think it's important that uh, there's this, you know, understanding of Kuleana responsibility that all of us have. So I would challenge our listeners when you come to Maui. Uh, Please come here with uh, care and responsibility and uh, ideally maybe look up a nonprofit. It doesn't have to be us. Of course, we are happy to work with everyone, uh, but any non- nonprofit organization that does a lot of work for the environment, uh, mm-hmm. that would be super powerful. And uh, I'm confident that you would actually have a totally new uh, experience that you will remember for a long, long time. And uh, please do not bring any single-use plastic water bottle, <laughs> reusable water bottle, please. Yeah, Thank or snakes or other things that we don't or, want here. <laughs> or other things, yes. Well, yes, thank yes. you. Okay. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. And uh, find out more about Maui Ocean Center on its website. We'll have that in our show notes. And of course, uh, hawaiimagazine.com. Follow us on our social media channels at Hawaii Magazine. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us and we will see you guys in two weeks. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.